Well, this is the third uh, segment of our series, Longing to Belong, when we look at what that means, to belong to each other and to God through the church. And today, as I shared with my little friends, we're talking about presence. Our text is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And I want us to think about how it matters where we are. It really matters where we are. Would you stand with me as we hear these words of Scripture together from the book of Hebrews? Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through the flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. I asked some of our church members what it means to them to uphold the church by their presence. Let's Take a look and listen to what they had to say. Well, good morning, Randy and Dana. Thank you for giving me a little time to come by and ask you the question. What does it mean to you when you say you uphold the church by your presence? Good for me. It's uh, just the fellowship with our members and also the the choir itself and our praise band. Um, Just love it all. And then for me, just... Just take that time to be in church, to be away from everything, from phones, from TV, from distractions. And you never know what is going to happen at church that will touch you. The baptism of a baby, there could be new members, seeing someone you haven't seen in a while. Just the community of being with Sun Creek means everything. I, I feel like, you know, sitting there and being able to go there and, you know, to the church, uh, you know, a smile doesn't cost anything. You know, you you know, being able to be there and have that, you know, uh, socialization as, you know, we're starting to realize a lot more now uh, going through the quarantine. But, you know, you realize exactly what church really does mean to you. Um, I think it's just going to the church and singing with all the people. What does it mean to you to say you uphold the church with your presence? I would say um, uh, fellowship, of course. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've been through a lot as a family, and uh, we, we would not have made it through what we went through without um, our church family. And when we're present in church, uh, we feel, uh, certainly I do, and I think the whole family feels embraced by um, the church and embraced by a lot of our friends um, who were, uh, uh, you know, part of the church as well. So, and then I would also say, um, you know, music. I uh, really enjoy uh, the uh, music ministry at, at Sun Creek. And, and then, um, you know, lastly, I think uh, 
you know, it sort of sets the tone for uh, for the week. And, and, you know, when I leave church, I leave uh, energized and positive and and ready to uh, take on the week. So uh, we, we really enjoy uh, church and looking forward to getting back there, to be honest with you. So, And, of course, Barry Sermons. Um, yeah, piggybacking off of what my dad said about um, music and everything, because I am in the um, praise band, um, and I never feel more present than when I'm um, playing some music and singing with um, the fellow members of the church band, um, and it's just the best ever. I just There's never a time where I don't feel connected um, when I'm singing in church. So, Pastors deal a lot in the currency of presence. Are we there when people need us? And when we're there, do we bring with us a, a little touch of calm or peace or comfort? When we're there, can we let that be about the situation or the other people, or do we have to make it about ourselves? Do people experience us in such moments as a part of their life or as a stranger that's a little separate and apart? Clergy deal a lot in the currency of presence, and so it's very disconcerting when we find ourselves in situations where we realize that we don't seem to have any of that. It was many years ago, and I was cold calling on people trying to get in their homes to visit with them and tell them about uh, something I was doing, trying to start a new church. And I'd called people out of the phone book and I'd found the family who would let me make an appointment to come visit them. And so I arrived on time. I was dressed properly. I gave them the pitch for why they should come with this little struggling group of people. I shared my vision and my dreams and my heart. And when I finished, I looked at them and I said, do you have any questions? And without missing a beat, the woman said, I don't have any questions. You're not old enough to be my pastor. What could you possibly know that could help me? And in that moment, my 35-year-old self realized I had not exactly overwhelmed them with my pastoral presence during that visit. I can still see his face after all these years. His name was Jonathan. And Jonathan was in his mid-teens when I became his pastor. Jonathan was a special child. And he always seemed to me to be an angel. An angel with a beatific smile. Jonathan loved cars, fast cars. And he and his father had a hobby of learning about fast cars and going to see fast cars. And so he would come early on Sunday morning with his father before the earliest worship service. And Jonathan and I would always have a few minutes to talk about the cars he had seen that week or the cars that he had read about that week. He was very knowledgeable and he was so passionate and he was so excited about the things he loved in his life. And very quickly, 
those few minutes carved out before the first worship service each Sunday came to be church for me. Being with Jonathan made my day. It started my day right. When I finished talking with Jonathan, I was ready to go lead worship throughout the rest of the day. Jonathan was an usher, and it was interesting because every age and shape and size of person would look to see which door Jonathan was at to go get their bulletin as they entered the sanctuary. They went because they'd see that smile. And they went to him because for that moment, perhaps for the only moment in that entire week, they would be loved unconditionally by a pure heart. When Jonathan passed away, I stood in front of a huge crowd in that magnificent sanctuary and told the story of how Jonathan's presence had changed my life and how much his presence had meant to me. And as I looked out at that crowd, I had never seen so many people smiling and weeping at the same moment. And I realized they felt exactly the way I felt about Jonathan. I realized that my story was their story, too. Jonathan had touched and changed the lives of hundreds upon hundreds of people by his presence. He was there for those people. He was present in worship every week. He was present at his post when he served as an usher. And he was there with that smile and that love. And I think of him and miss him still. Jonathan taught me that the power of presence is real. It matters where you are. It matters where I am. Can you recall in your life the time that a friend or a parent or a mentor or a fellow church member or a co-worker or a pastor was present with you and it made all the difference in the world in that situation or that circumstance. Sometimes it's in those moments that we discover who that person is for us. Sometimes it's in moments like that that we discover we're that person for someone else. How sad it would be to not be present for that moment when our lives intersect in a powerful, spiritual way. Have you ever felt at the end of your rope, you ever felt all alone? If so, I hope you know the power of presence because that would mean someone was there for you in those moments that made a difference. I'll never forget that semester in college where I made the abrupt transition
from the chancellor's list of flunking every class I took. Well, not every class. Thank the Lord for choir. I had five F's and an A. I don't remember that time because I made bad grades. I made up for those along the way and it didn't hold me back. But I remember that up to that point in my life, that was the worst time in my life. I don't remember the grades, but I remember the person who was there for me. The person who showed up and made the difference. Dominic Ricciatello writes, I never expected you to understand, but I did expect you to be there. The power of presence is transcendent of all our similarities and all of our differences. We don't have to understand. We don't have to approve. We don't have to agree. All we've got to be is be present for each other. That is what it means to say we will uphold the church by our presence. The book of Hebrews is full of this magnificent, majestic imagery of worship in the temple of Jerusalem. Images of the Holy of Holies, the innermost sanctum of the temple, cut off from all the world by a huge, thick curtain. And in that space was the Ark of the Covenant. In that space was where the very presence of God dwelt. And only the high priest could go into the presence of God. And the high priest only once a year. And it was a tricky business. They had to be ritually cleansed and washed, prepared. They sewed bells into the hem of their robes so they could hear if they were still moving around once they got in there. They even tied a rope around one of their ankles in case things didn't go well, they could drag them out. It's a mysterious and powerful and frightening image of the presence of God. And the writer of Hebrews takes that imagery and he says, but now we have a high priest named Jesus. And because of Jesus... All of us can go into the very presence of God. And because of Jesus, all of us can go into the very presence of God all the time. In fact, we live there. It is who we are. It is where we are. And we are assured in our faith because God can be trusted. And we are to live out of this holy place of God's presence out of this holy relationship with God in such a way, the writer says, that we provoke one another to love and good deeds. I love that phrase, do you? Provoke one another. We all know what provoke means, don't we? We know what it means to provoke or be provoked. It means we know what buttons to push on someone else to make them react the way we want them to react. 
When I was growing up in our family, we were going somewhere to church or going on a trip. We piled in the car and the three of us kids were lined up across the back seat. We'd scarcely get out of the driveway till the provoking began. Mama, he's touching me. Daddy, he's leaning over into my space. Or my favorite, Mama, he's looking at me, right? We knew what to do to provoke one another, but it was never to love and to good works. Imagine the opposite of our experience of provoking one another. What if we all played the instigator friend? What if we were all Bart Simpson for one another? But instead of provoking one another to anger or to immature actions or to violent and divisive words, what if we provoked one another to love and provoked one another to good deeds? What if we knew each other well enough to know what buttons to push on each other to move us forward on the shared journey of becoming more like Jesus? That's what the text is asking us to do. To live like that. To be present with each other like that. So that we could provoke one another. It's significant to me that the writer connects such a relationship to the shared life of community through our presence. He goes on to say, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. It matters where we are. Being present, being consistently a part of one another's lives builds bonds and forges relationships that can survive anything. The opposite happens when we neglect to gather together and when we disregard our vow of presence. Suddenly, my church becomes their church. And my church then becomes that church. And the people I used to call my people suddenly become those people. And I have separated myself and I no longer am present to provoke or to be provoked. When we are not present for each other and with each other, love cools and courage wanes and hope dims. Faith inevitably weakens. We need your presence. You need our presence. Children and youth need to see all kinds of grown-ups following Jesus. Children and youth need to see that faith and commitment is something that's real, not just when you're in Sunday school or UMYF, but throughout 
our entire lives. We need to be modeling for those around us, whether they're in our church or in our neighborhood or in our own homes, what the priorities of a Christian life look like. We need to be present and to provoke one another to love and to good deeds. It's a gift that changes our lives. In a moment, we come to this table. This table that represents the embodiment of the presence of Jesus. The presence that changes us. The presence that's changing the world. The presence we count on every moment for every breath of our life. May sharing in the presence of the risen Christ inspire us to be present for one another. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.